Welcome to the Vulva Diaries with host Dr. Amanda Selk, bringing you the 101 on vulvovaginal health. Today, we're going to talk to Dr. Jennifer Bradford, who's a gynecologist in Sydney, Australia. She has a tertiary care practice in vulvovaginal disease, and she's co-author of the Vulva Handbook. Hi, Dr. Bradford. Hi. Hi. So this time, we're going to talk about pregnancy and how that can affect some of these inflammatory skin conditions, like like in sclerosis, like in planus. So does pregnancy affect these conditions? Well, if we speak about lichen planus, lichen planus is a classic autoimmune disease. And like other classic autoimmune diseases, lichen planus regresses to a large extent during pregnancy, but of course flares postpartum. And everyone understands that. With lichen sclerosis, it's different. Lichen sclerosis is not a classic autoimmune disease. And our published data suggests that in many women, lichen sclerosis does not partly remit in pregnancy. And this is a very important finding so that our data, of course, at this point is only retrospective. However, our findings are if you look at total corticosteroid dose per week, there is no difference in corticosteroid requirement in order to keep the disease visually controlled through pregnancy and postpartum. So we don't change corticosteroid dosing in lichen sclerosis during pregnancy. Now, of course, pregnancy and delivery in the postpartum state engender profound changes in a woman's body, and we're never really quite sure. So we always see these women about once every three months during pregnancy. Now, in lichen sclerosis and lichen planus, our published data and our experience has been that if you keep the disease visually controlled, not just symptomatically controlled, there is no reason why the woman should not have a vaginal delivery. In the past, many obstetricians have considered that an elective caesarean section is the correct mode of delivery for women with lichen sclerosis, certainly. But my experience has been that if you keep the disease visually controlled, you can have a normal delivery and you do not need to factor in the lichen sclerosis into decisions about whether to do a vaginal or a caesarean delivery. Now, having said that, with lichen sclerosis, if they require suturing following a vaginal birth, as with surgical division of adhesion, suturing may produce a flare in the lichen sclerosis. So I say to my patients, If you have a vaginal birth and you don't need suturing, I'll see you two months postpartum. But if you require suturing, I need to see you two weeks postpartum in order to manage a possible flare because of suturing. And again, the flare is managed, certainly in my practice, in exactly the same way as I manage the flare postoperatively after labial division of adhesions. That is, I double the corticosteroid potency and I get the patient to apply the corticosteroid twice daily and I see them every week or two to make sure that we have the situation under control. My experience, however, is that postpartum flares after suturing can be more difficult to control 
I don't know why, but I suspect it's because of postpartum non-compliance. And we speak about this in our paper. But when you've had a baby, the last thing you want to do is be putting steroids on your vulva. And a lot of them are just not capable of complying because they have so much else to do and because they are so sleep deprived. So again, the postpartum management is more difficult in the same way as the postoperative management is more difficult after division of adhesions. Now, with lichen planus, as I said, it's a classic autoimmune disease. I see them in the first trimester and I greatly reduce their treatment and I monitor them every three months. And again, if they are prepared to have enough treatment to manage a post-suture flaring, I see no reason why a woman with lichen planus, which is already properly controlled prior to delivery, should not be able to have a vaginal birth. The problem is that the rare woman one sees who is in the childbearing years with lichen planus, often when they um, present, they have such advanced disease because the diagnosis has been so delayed that they may need an elective caesarean section because the scarring which they already have is unable to be adequately improved prior to delivery. But that's a very rare situation. We don't see many women with lichen planus who are pregnant. They'd have trouble getting pregnant a lot of the time if they have that extensive disease. Oh, indeed, indeed. So mainly in pregnancy, we're talking about lichen sclerosis. And lichen sclerosis, and again, I have to explain that our group's published data clearly shows that continuous visual suppression of the disease is essential to keep the disease asymptomatic, to prevent further scarring, and to prevent the risk of cancer. And we don't use symptoms as a guide for treatment because symptoms are not reliable and we've published on this in the past. You know, as a someone who takes care of a lot of lichen sclerosis and does a lot of obstetrics, I totally agree with you about keeping people on therapy the whole time and using the same steroids. And a lot of pregnant women are scared of all drugs of all kinds, right? And, you know, it's a very common that as soon as people get pregnant, they like stop everything they're doing and trying to keep them on. And when they already have the steroid fear that there is, and then pregnancy, oh my God, my baby's going to have whatever they're worried about. So I work in one of the highest risk hospitals in our country. And so I know we use steroids, you know, asthmatics use inhaled steroids every day. Like I try to give other analogies to keep people on their steroids, but it's not easy. Look, I absolutely agree. And again, there is no prospective data that proves that corticosteroids in any form are safe in pregnancy. So all we have is our lived experience. Now, our published data shows that there is no effect, but that data, of course, is limited necessarily. However, if one looks at the first principles of absorption of topical steroids, the surface area we're applying topical steroids to is so small that the surface area is one of the main factors in systemic absorption of topical steroids. And therefore, I reassure my ladies that systemic absorption, even of ultra-potent topical steroids, is minimal. And the next thing, of course, I say to them, as you quite rightly point out, is that we use oral steroids in pregnancy all 
the time and the baby is not affected. And so these women need to be strongly reassured about how safe it is. I spend hours each week reassuring my patients about the safety of long-term topical steroids because, as you point out, the incidence of steroid phobia is extremely widespread in our communities and it mitigates against adequate compliance, which is such a shame. Um, It often helps if you have a medicine in pregnancy advice service, which we have locally in Sydney. It's an independent organisation to which I direct my patients to confirm my advice. And if our listeners have such a service in the cities where they work, that's very helpful because that means the patients are getting reassurance from a uh, third party. So I've seen many people have, as you say, I don't think the legging keeps them from having vaginal deliveries in any way. And I don't think that's a concern. And I've seen people with quite extensive disease deliver no problem and they're not worried about it and they may reagglutinate and they don't seem to be bothered. But, you know, you have people that have visually mild disease and they are miserable. And sometimes they're very worried about a vaginal delivery making their disease much worse. And it's kind of hard to promise them that, you know, they won't have more pain after. That, you know, there's a move in the world, it's controversial, but when patients really want a C-section for whatever reason, sometimes, you know, you can't, they're grown-ups and they make informed decisions. And I find it tricky with this, even though we can say like a lot of people are okay, but if they really are convinced that they personally want it, it gets hard. Can I just say that I support any woman who wants an elective cesarean section for any reason. <laughs> there we go. Right. And I, I've used lichen sclerosis on my indication and people have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> I put it down as- yeah. yeah. I, I mean, in my city, anyone can have an elective cesarean section just because they want it. Our public health system does not enforce vaginal birth against the wishes of a woman. I don't have that either where I am. If you want a C-section, you know, I think if you've had an informed discussion and that's what you want, yes, yes, that's what you can have. Well, I'm talking about the woman who really wants the option of a vaginal birth but has been um, made to be afraid of vaginal birth by other clinicians who've told her it might be dangerous because of the lichen sclerosis. And so I strongly reassure these women that, I will be able to maintain their disease so that they can have a safe vaginal birth without having to worry about the impact of lichen sclerosis on that vaginal birth. That's an interesting way to phrase it. So I think a lot of people flare postpartum, not just from the stitches. I think it's from a drop in estrogen with breastfeeding. What do you think about that? I don't know. The answer <laughs> is I no. The answer is I don't know because. Almost all the women I look after breastfeed. And so I don't have a group that don't breastfeed. Right. We don't have a control group because we have so many people where I, that's one thing, my controlled, relatively controlled, or they feel good. I, I worry about them, you know, they're healing potentially. Like they, they get into that hypoestrogenic state where they, you know, they don't get periods, their skin gets dry, and I'll treat them like they're menopausal until they're not. Absolutely. But I think the whole estrogen thing, whether or not the hypoestrogenic state of breastfeeding impacts lichen sclerosis or not, I don't know. I think the important point is that you keep an eye on them postpartum 
And if there's any sign that the lichen sclerosis is flaring, that you take appropriate steps to control it. Right. Totally makes sense. And when they're always so busy and tired, as you say, with a new baby, you don't always know what's going on. And our published data confirm this, that the issue postpartum is not difficulty in controlling the disease, it's difficulty in getting the patient to comply. I find most of my young people, well, actually patients of any age, but young people with babies and toddlers, like they just have so much going on. They find it really, really tricky. I tell them to put in their smartphone, put little reminders in like everything else in life, put a reminder in your phone. Absolutely. But the problem is compliance because they're too busy, they're too sleep deprived and doesn't matter how much reassurance and encouragement you give them, they don't see it as a priority. Have you found any tricks to motivate them? No, no. I just tell them that if they get slack and then realize they're in a big problem, that they should ring me and come and see me because normally I can sort it out. Because there is a window of opportunity with lichen sclerosis that you can retrieve the situation if non-compliance has made it worse within a few months. And so I often say to my patients, look, I know everyone gets slack. I understand that. But if you get slack or if you stop or if you don't keep with the program, just ring me and I will almost certainly be able to sort it out if you contact me soon enough within the window of opportunity before the scarring becomes cross-linked and permanent. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, because people who are symptomatic have a, something to trigger their memory. People who just have scarring and aren't looking at their skin, I, I usually say a lot of the time, once you, if your anatomy disappears, I can't make it come back, you know, so. That's absolutely right. And that's why I say, look, I understand that you may become overwhelmed and not doing the treatment program. There is a window of opportunity of a few months please contact me earlier rather than later. I will not rouse on you. I want to sort it out. <laughs> yeah, I find that pictures in clinic sometimes can help with people who aren't looking. If I can show them where, see how this looks a little worse than it used to, or see how this is later, or see how this is, and that sometimes can motivate people. Absolutely, absolutely. But I think patients get guilty because they're not complying, but I explain that I understand that. And that everyone gets slack with treatment for long-term diseases from time to time. But just as long as they come and see me within the window of opportunity, I will be almost always able to sort it out. If they turn up 18 months later, I may not be able to help them. And I think those are that's very wise advice. So thank you so much for talking to us today about pregnancy and lichen sclerosis. I think we got a lot of practical points. And thank you again. It's, it's my pleasure. Glad to be with you. And again, that's Dr. Jennifer Bradford, who's a gynecologist in Sydney, Australia. Mm -hmm. 